Hey, last week we, we talked about baggage. We talked about the fact that we need to get rid. The Bible has less things to declare, to, to, to get rid of out of our uh, lives. Baggage that is weighing us, weighing us down, hurting us, hurting, uh, not just hurting us, but hurting, uh, hurting others, stopping you from flying. And I, I know afterwards different ones came uh, to me and they were like, man, I gotta, I've so got a deal uh, with my excess baggage. I've so got a deal with the stuff that I've been uh, maybe for years walking through and just trying to, you know, hurts and pain and different uh, other aspects of uh, stuff that they're aware that they need to get uh, get rid of. And, and I want to say, let, let us be ones who continue to do that, even if it's hard, even if it's hard even 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 if it's hard just just let, let it be a part of our journey someone said this i don't i don't know who it was it was my friend anon for anonymous for those who don't know i i thought that was a a, a scholar some kind of deep philosopher someone told me that was for anonymous anonymous but 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 my friend anon he wrote this the cost of putting a thing right can never be as great as leaving it wrong Oh, I'll say that again. The cost of putting a thing right can never be as great as leaving it wrong. So don't leave it wrong. Get rid of it. Deal, uh, deal to it. Check in your baggage. Check in your bag. Check in your baggage at the foot of the cross. Check in your baggage at the foot of the cross. Burden God with what burdens you. And, and, and can I say, don't pick it up again. Don't you know the thing is with baggage at airports, you check it in and then you go on a journey and then you pick it up at the other, uh, the other end. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't pick it up. Cut, cut, cut. You've given it to Jesus now. Cut that label off. Cut your name tag off and let it be unclaimed baggage taken care of by Jesus. Can I hear an amen in this Pentecostal church? That, 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 I just want to encourage you, don't pick it up again. So my, my message today really flows off the back of that message last, last week. And, and my message today is, is influenced, I guess, by the conversations. Well, not I guess, I know. is influenced by the conversation and questions that people ask me after last week's message. So to, today I'm going to touch on temptation. I'm going to touch on Temptation. Temptation, every few years we do it. The subject, that is. <laughs> Just to be clear, I'm sure it's... But, 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 but let me preface uh, something here before diving, uh, diving in. Let me preface by saying this. Believers, when we talk about these kind of topics or these kind of subjects, uh, believers have a way of beating themselves up or starting to go, yeah, man, I'm, I'm no good. Oh, man, shoot, yeah, man, I get, oh, man, I struggle. I, man, I'm no good. I, I just, I, I try to be a good Christian. I try to, and so I, I, I'm aware that that will happen in the room today if I don't say what I'm going 
to say. People will say, you know, I, I'm not good enough. I mean, I try to be. And, and, and right, the devil's right there on the shoulder to say, yeah, that's right. You're no good. You can't do this. It's too, uh, uh, too hard anyway. And I, I, I'm just saying to you, don't do that. Don't do that. The truth is, we are no good. The truth is, we are no good in and of ourselves. We already know that I say that almost every week. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But it's the gift of God that saves us. Come on, can I hear an amen? It's, it's the gift of God. It's a gift from God. Our salvation is a gift from God. We couldn't earn it. We couldn't buy it. There's nothing we can do. All fall short of God's glory. We, we, we know that. We, we know all of sin, that we fall, fall short of God's standard. That's why we need Jesus. Thank you for that one person who said, I said, that's why we need Jesus. Amen. Uh, listen, C.S. Lewis, the great uh, uh, author and apologist, he said this, no man, <laughs> this is so true, no man knows how bad he is until he has tried very hard to be good. <laughs> Isn't that true? No man knows how, I mean, when you try to be good, you just realize, man, I come up short. That's why we need Jesus. See, as much as we, we try to be good, we can't do it. We, we, we fail. And the tendency for us as human beings is to beat ourselves up. But as believers here today, and this is I, 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 it's so important that you get this. As believers here today, we understand that we stand, when we're, we're talking about our stand, who, who we are before God, that we, we stand not on our own righteousness. Our own righteousness is like a filthy rag before a holy God. We don't stand on our righteousness, but in His. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, you will hear me Say this maybe 10,000 times. If you stay here for any length of part of this church, you would have heard me say this so many times, but I want to put it up on the screen today. My favorite scripture in the whole, in the whole Bible. God made him who knew no sin. God made him who? Jesus. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Why? So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. Not just old sinners saved by grace. We are the righteousness of God. We can't earn it. We can't buy it. We're to seek first, not our righteousness. Whose righteousness? His. His righteousness. And everything else will be taken care of. I love how the ESV puts it. It says that same scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. It says, for our sake, for your sake. For our sake, for your sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's why Romans chapter 8 verse 1, uh, Paul says, this is therefore. And if you look at the chapter before, Paul's talking about, oh, wretched man that I am. Oh, man, oh, what, what type of sinner I, uh, I am. But then it gets to, get, gets to Romans chapter 8, and he's like, but thanks be to God. There is therefore now. Everybody say now. now. That's how it was. But now, no condemnation. How, how, how much condemnation is there? There's none. 
There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Your life has been hidden with Christ in God, the scriptures tell us. Who are you in Christ? What's your position? Well, I want to tell you, you, you are redeemed. You are justified. You are victorious. Not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. And that, when I'm, when I'm talking about this today, this is, this is where you've got to understand, this is the position that, 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 that you should, uh, I, I guess, place yourself or understand that you are in. You are not in a position like, oh man, what a failure and I just can't do anything and God doesn't like me and I'm just really struggling and I'm just... No, 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 no. You, you, you are redeemed. You are justified. Come on, somebody get excited. You, you're made holy because of what Christ has done. That's your position. You're justified. What does justified mean? Just as if you'd never sinned. And he says, the Bible says you've been justified freely. What does that mean? At no cost to you. Christ paid the price so that you and I didn't have to. And so when we're talking about temptation, you've got to understand, you're talking from a position of victory. You're not talking from a position of, well, I hope God likes me because I keep making mistakes. We all make mistakes. Well, I've got issues. We've all got issues. Okay, now that we've got that out the, out the way... See, the, whole, the thing is, the Holy Spirit, I understand this, he does not condemn. It's the devil. He'll, he'll, he'll condemn you. I know what you did last summer. You know, uh, he, the, the devil condemns you. No, the Holy Spirit convicts. So what, what does that mean? He, he's not saying, oh, you're useless. God, no, no, the Holy Spirit will say, don't do that. Oh, I just want to look at it for a couple of, no, 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 don't. Just, just, just. I'm not, don't. The Holy Spirit convicts. But you've got to understand it's out of a position of who you are in Christ. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're seeking first His righteousness. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is found. A righteousness, how do you get it? By faith. Faith. It's by faith. And so I want you to understand when we're talking about temptation today, you've got to understand I've upset somebody already. They're leaving. Just that's our position. That's our position. That's who we are in Christ. Listen, we are not. That's our, that, that's our vantage point. So, so whenever I'm speaking today about temptation, my vantage point is I'm redeemed. I'm made whole. I'm righteous uh, in him. But I've got to deal with the stuff that God is telling me to deal with. See, we're not trying to get Jesus to love us by being good or, or to follow rules. We, we seek to obey because he first loved us. Not so he will love us. We're not trying to earn God's love. His love has already been demonstrated. We're on the cross. It's relationship, not rules. And if you, if you don't understand that position, then you start going, oh man, I've got to get the rules right. I've got to get, no, 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 you stand redeemed. We obey because he loved us, not so he will love us. You're in Christ, you're in him. He ultimately has won the victory. victory. I don't know what the victory is, but he's won the victory. Come on, somebody give him some praise. He can... 
That's the word of God. Hallelujah. Good preaching right there. Amen. I just heals my soul every time I, I, I remember that because it's so easy for us to get stuck in that performance kind of mindset rather than re re realize the fact that you're a son and you're a daughter. And my love towards my children is not based on, uh, on their behavior or how that, I mean, their behavior might hack me off sometimes or uh, 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 annoy me, but, but I, I just want to say my love is not based on how they behave. And God, he, he's a good, good father to years. Amen. But temptation is a thing. It's a thing. And... You know, of course, I, I realize in this service today, temptation is probably not actually an issue for, for you. This is really something that affects our other services. Uh, but of course, we want to learn so we can endeavor to help them in their struggles, if only that were true. Be honest, have you ever struggled with temptation? Come on, be, be a lot... Some of you are tempted to lie right now. <laughs> so it's, just, uh, it's wrong, okay? We have all been tempted. If, if, not, if not then, if, if not yesterday, then tomorrow. If not tomorrow, then the next day. It's, it's, it's something we will all wrestle with. Uh, the truth is temptation affects us all. Even, even in the church, you're... you're you know, you, church is one of the only places we're so trusting, right? We leave our bags with all our cash in it and because we want to save our seats. And then we walk away and go and get a coffee. You put your $1,000 iPhone on the seat to say, well, what, what part of the world do you do that? But, but, because we're trusting. But, but temptation can affect people in the church. You're sitting, sitting there, the service hasn't started yet, and you look in front and somebody's put their wallet full of cash sitting on the seat in front of you, and then you have to ask the, ask the Lord, is that temptation or an answer to prayer? And come on. It's like, it's like, which one is it, Lord? Give me, give me wisdom. <laughs> so I remember I shared that story of that. When I was in packing saving, the, the lady, she was crying, and I was like, what's wrong? She's like, I, I, I've lost $200. $200. I've lost it. I've lost I've just lost it. And so I was like, I felt so bad for her. I gave her uh, uh, $100 from the 200 I'd found out in the car park. They were a little bit, like, you know, temptation affects us all. The 18th century poet and playwright Oscar Wilde, who shall we say, certainly lived up to his surname, Wilde, Famously once said this, I can resist everything except temptation. I can resist everything except temptation. The truth is, for the believer, the battle is real and continuous. Scottish preacher, the Reverend J.J. Bonnard, said, How daily, hourly, is the struggle with sin and fear and temptation it is never over someone said opportunity only knocks one once but temptation leans on the do doorbell ding dong so what is temptation where where are we tempted and what can we we do about it 
In the Hebrew and Greek, the, the word tempted basically means to, to test or a, a, a testing. It, it carries with it the idea of enticement. To, en, to entice, a, a definition means to attract by arousing hope or desire. In other words, it's not so much that we try it, but it tries us. It's not so much that we test it, it tests us. In fact, the root word from which we get temptation in the Greek, Greek, in the, in the Greek as well, in the New Testament is the word para, para, and it means to pierce. That's what temptation tries to do, right? It, it, it tries to pierce and and probe your defenses in the hope of finding a way into your life. But here's what I want you to know, and this is probably the most important thing to get today, is that temptation is not sin. Temptation is not sin. Giving into temptation can lead to sin, but temptation in and of itself, very important that you get this, is not sin. And if you don't make that distinction, you will suffer, uh, let me say, and because I've been a pastor a long time, I've seen, I've seen this. If you don't make that distinction, you will suffer a whole lot of unnecessary grief, guilt, pain, and shame, that you really didn't need to. See, Scripture tells us that Jesus was without sin. But Scripture also tells us that Jesus was tempted. Hebrews 4 verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Uh, that's a powerful scripture. He understands. That means he, he understands you. He understands your struggles. He understands your, your battles. For we do not have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points what? You can read it. It's not a trick. He was, he was in all points what? Tempted. Tempted just as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus was tempted in all points as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus, Jesus can identify with all points and uh, that, that we go through and think he, he was tempted just as we are. And I don't know about you, but when I can think of points, there's a lot of points I can be tempted in. And I'm the pastor. So he gets you. He gets, he gets us. I mean, Jesus was, you know, tempted by the devil himself. Understand, Jesus was tempted not because he was bad, but because he was important. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, and you've got to understand here, just because you're full of the Holy Ghost doesn't mean you can not be tempted. Well, I'm just full of the Holy Ghost. Well, that may be. But you can be full of the Holy Ghost and still be tempted. 
I don't know why I'm doing an American accent there, but it's just how it is. <laughs> now, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wild for 40 wilderness days and nights. He was tempted by the devil. I don't know about you, but 40 minutes is tough enough to be tempted. Four minutes, come on. 40 days. 40 days with the devil leaning on his doorbell. Now 40, of course, is the number of testing. 40 is the number of trial. We, we know in scriptures, numbers have meaning. 12, of course, is the number of government. So you have, you, you have the 12 disciples. You know, this is biblical numerology, if you like. So, 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 so 12 is the number of government. You have the 12 disciples, the 12 tribes. Seven is the number of completion and perfection. On the seventh day, God rested. Six is the number of man, uh, the number of Satan. Six, 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 the number of the beast for all those Iron Maiden people from way back. The number nine is interesting because the number nine is the time church starts. Can I, can I, have a, I mean, I just gotta, I just gotta just make that sort of clear, drop that, drop that in. It doesn't start at five past nine. It doesn't start at 10 past nine. It starts at, it starts, oh, you're hearing me, Holy Ghost. It starts at nine. I want to really encourage you to get here on time. You know, we're a community. You're not an audience. People come here, get ready for, for, for it. Like I say, this is not the worship team. You're the worship team. Really hard to do worship if half of you aren't here. Yeah. Oh, the preacher preaching. <laughs> and you still got to love me. You still got to love me. I want to really encourage us. Just, just, just get here a little bit early. Get your ki kids checked in and, 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 and sort it out. Moving right along. So 40 is the number of testing, trial. Genesis chapter 7, verse 11, in the times of Noah, the heavens opened and it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt for 40 times 10, 400 years. The Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Those, of course, are found, those events are found in the, in the book of Exodus, which just happens to have 40 chapters. Moses lived for 40 years in Egypt and 40 years in the desert before God called him. He was on the Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. He sent the spies into the land 40 days. 40 stripes was the maximum number allowed for anyone to be punished in Deuteronomy 25 verse 3. When Israel disobeyed God, he gave them over to their enemies for 40 Years, Judges 13, verse 1. F first three kings over Israel, Saul, David, and Solomon, ruled for 40 years each. The prophet Jonah prophesied of, of the destruction of Nineveh. If they didn't repent, he gave them 40 days to do so. They did repent, and the entire city was saved. For 40 days, Jesus was tempted. Now, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, for 40 wilderness days and nights, he was tempted by the devil. Yet he did not sin. Temptation is not sin. 
Again, Jesus was tempted not because he was bad, but because he was important. Now, I want to tell you, there's new levels. There's going to be new devils. You try and step it up for Jesus. Understand you're tempted not because you're bad, but because you're his. You're on mission. And we can't expect different treatment than our master. The enemy knows if he can probe you, if he can pierce your defenses, if he can distract you and get you off track. This is why it's important for you to know your position in Christ because when the enemy comes and, and, and hassles you and goes, well, you know, you did that, you, you, you can say, just get behind me, Satan. I know who I am. My righteousness is not in what I did or don't do. My righteousness is found in Jesus Christ. I'm positioned in him, justified. And yes, I make mistakes. When I fall down, I just get back up again and keep on going. Some of you fall down and you run away from God. I tell you, if you make a mistake, run to him, not away from from it. He's your father. He's redeemed you. He has called you by name. Remember that song, PJ? Probably don't. No, he doesn't. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, he says. I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. And you are mine. So scripture and song. Who remembers scripture and song? Bring it back. Come on. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> He knows if he can probe you, if he can somehow distract you. I love what Frederick P. Wood said. He said, temptation is not sin. It is the call to battle. So true. See it as a call to battle. We should see it like that. It's a call to battle. So I'm really saying to you today, don't let the fact that you're tempted make you feel like you've failed. Matthew Henry, the great writer of the commentary of the Bible said, the best of saints may be tempted by the worst of sins. But temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted in all points as we are, yet was without sin. Temptation is something we must never excite, but always expect. Never excite, but always expect. You're not tempted because you're bad. You're tempted because you're human. Temptation is a part of the human condition. It's a part of the human experience. And so what I'm saying today is just know where to draw the line. Understand where to draw the line. This is temptation. I understand this is temptation. It's a battle. It's a, uh, it's a fight. But I, but I haven't crossed the line. Know where the line is. No temptation has taken us, but that which is common to man. People say, you know, you know, pastor, cast the lust demon out or whatever. It's like, no, it's a part of the human experience. <laughs> That's what I've thought a couple times of the, the young guy t turns up to the 80-year-old preacher, pastor, I'm struggling with girls. Well, that's a good thing these days, I guess. I, I mean, it can be just... <laughs> So I'm struggling with, it, with girls and, you know, I'm having all these thoughts and all that. Can you, can you, can, can you tell me when it stops? And the 80-year-old preacher said, when it happens, I'll let you know. <laughs> Come on. It's part of the human condition. And, of course, I know none of you struggle with that. It is in the next service completely. 
It's a fine line. And all I'm saying is that when you know where the line is, stay away from the line. Keep away from the line. What a lot of Christians do is, like, like, can I do this and be a Christian? Could I do that? How, how close can, to the edge can I get? You know, when I, was a, <laughs> when I was a firefighter, we did a lot of rescues of people who went over the edge. I remember a lady, she parked at Otahanga, the river, and when we got there, she was sitting in her car in the middle of the river. And she went over the edge. She, instead of hitting the elderly lady, instead of hitting the, hitting the uh, brake, she hit the accelerator. I don't know what speed she got up to to launch. <laughs> Jukes has it. <laughs> and she was, she was in the middle of the river. We had to haul her out. Up in Nikau Valley, people just sitting, looking at the view over the valley, over the cliff they went. We have to haul them back out. They got too close to the edge. Pycock Hill. I just, just there, just a, a car just came around the corner, around where the lookout is, and went just another car. I know this because there was another car behind it, and just went straight off. And we, you couldn't see it. It went down into the trees, and you couldn't see it. So I had to get specialist drone fire guys who do all the ropes and all that kind of stuff. Why? What's the problem? They got too close to the edge. Tap your neighbor and say, stay away from the edge, mate. Stay away from the edge. People say, ask for a sign. When you, you know, when you, if you go to Stagline, Stagline's me and Jeff Road over there a few, few weeks ago, and just as you get towards the, to heading to um, the Waikanae side, there are big signs. Turn around. Last chance to turn around. Because if you're driving, because what, what? Now, why does it say those signs? Because people in trucks and camper vans don't see those signs and they keep driving and they go over the edge. They get stuck. Don't get too close to the edge. Stay away from the edge. Robert Auburn, who's a comedian, he he said this, most people want to be delivered from temptation but would like to keep in touch. <laughs> Some even give a forwarding address. I was watching this thing by Mark Driscoll the other day. He said, evil is always trying to move the line that God drew. I would go even further and say in these days that we are living in evil is not trying to just move the line, it's trying to remove the line that God drew. Not so for followers of Jesus. Someone said temptation usually comes through a door that has been deliberately left open. We've got an electronic lock on our house uh, that it can detect when uh, you've got to punch a code into it but but it's got another feature that when I go 200 meters away out of a house it can tell that I've gone away it'll send a message saying you have gone away and then when it comes back when I come back it's the, the feature automatically will open my 
door. So I don't, I, I, I don't, I'm selling them at the end of the service. These are <laughs> but it's got this, this feature that automatically opens, opens the door. And, and sometimes I forget it's there and I might ride my motorbike into the garage and it's opened the front door and I forget about it and the door can be open at, uh, open at night. That's not an invitation. <laughs> because I, I didn't see it. But it, it automatically, there's an auto-unlock feature. The door is what happens with the door. This is a door. It actually has an auto unlock. You don't even need to do it. Now you just look at it. And it'll unlock for you. It'll make it as easy, peasy as possible. Oh, and every parent here today. Oh, they know. They, everybody's got an iPhone. That's a door. You know, back in the olden days, when I was growing up, we had one phone in the house, and you were really cool if you had two. And the phone used to be in the hall, and it used to hang up like this, and it had a cord. You couldn't move far from the phone. And if somebody called, everybody knew. Like if you were a teenager and some, some boy called, and, and your sister answered, Hey, it's Barry on the phone. Hello, call for you. Call for you, Sasha. If your name's Sasha, sorry. <laughs> Barry's on the phone. Everybody knew why. And before Sasha could get there, Sasha's dead. <laughs> Come on. Who's this Barry? I don't know you. I've only recently got out of prison. Oh, yes. That's how it was back in the old, olden days. That's, that's how, how it was. You, you locked your house and, and nobody could get in. And, and they're, 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 but, but I want to tell you, we're, we're, we're letting this is a, our children carry these into their bedrooms. And every pedophile and scumbag. Oh, yeah, there are sure there are good, good things that can come through the door. When they're sitting on this at three o'clock in the morning, and then they're wondering why they're depressed because they're so tired from TikToking, meaningless stuff. This is a door. In fact, I would say this is the single biggest source of temptation today. Three clicks and you're in places you can't believe. Close the door. <laughs> 18th century evangelist J. Wilbur Chapman said, Temptation is the tempter looking through the keyhole into the room where you are living. Sin is you drawing back the bolt and making it possible to enter. How do we resist temptation? Someone said this. 
Nothing makes it easier to resist temptation than a proper upbringing, a sound set of values, and witnesses. Come on. How do we resist temptation when it happens? We'll come next week and find out. We'll do part two of of tempted. But as I close, know this, temptations are everywhere. But so is the grace of God. And you might be battling and struggling, but I want to say today, His grace is sufficient. In the meantime, do what Jesus said. Matthew 26, verse 41, He said, Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. I remind you that on Monday mornings we have a prayer meeting here. There's no heavy to, to, to come to that, but we're, we're just starting that as a lay, like laying a foundation for the beginning of the, the week. We're going to do communion together as well. And, and just to set off, set the week foundation right, you're most welcome to come. No pressure at all. It's from 6.30 to 7. You know, when Jesus said, watch and pray that you might not fall into temptation, the disciples had fallen asleep. And Jesus had come back and had to wake them, wake them up. Watch and pray. Can I say much of the church of Jesus in these days is asleep? And we need to wake up and watch and pray. We need to understand the days we are living in. We can't sleep or ignore the battle that is going on, not just for our lives, but for our children and for the next generation. It is time to wake up and hold the line. Amen? Would you stand? Friend, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, if you've never given your life to Christ, I want to tell you, how do you do that? You just say, Lord, would you come into my life? Would you save me? Would you, would you turn, turn my life around? You might say, well, I'm not good enough yet. Friends, remember, it's not about how good you are. It's about how good God is. You're a sinner. All have sinned and fall short. There's nobody here in this room who has it all together. Not one person. And if they told you they did, they're lying, and that's a, that's a sin. So it's not even true. That nobody's got it all together. We are completely reliant on the grace of God. Absolutely. And you can rely on that grace too. He died your death that you could live his life and know that freedom today. Hand your life over to him. Allow him to be the king of it. To empower your life. It's not an easy journey. It's a narrow path. The highway to hell, as ACDC said, that's a wide, that's wide. This path is a narrow path. It's not, not easy. It's not easy to be a Christian. It's easy to just do everything, move, remove all the lines, live however you want, but it'll destroy you. That's all the devil wants to do, rob, kill, and destroy. But give your life to him. He'll build it, strengthen it, build a family set you as part of a community. Just say, Jesus, come.
Lead me, guide me. I submit my life to you today. So will I. Would you put your hands out like this as we pray? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. Grace, the measure of grace. Amen. Can we give a clap offering to our King? He's done a Remember your position, what you're in. Whatever you're struggling with, understand it's from that. That's the battle. If that's the sanctifying, he's just trying to work that sanctifying process out in you. You stand redeemed in him. If you need prayer for anything, there are people over at the prayer station.